The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 23. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The reign of Christ Sunday, and how is it that Jesus reigns? Sometimes it's the job of the preacher just to help you see and hear some things that are right there in the Scriptures. So just think about what we've heard today. Jeremiah, the Lord is our righteousness. So this is the last Sunday in the church here. So what are we doing? We're hearing about who Jesus is, because everything leads to Him. Everything is about Him. He is our hope. And so, the Lord is our right, Jesus is our righteousness. There's Jeremiah. Psalm 46, God is a very present help. Who is Jesus? A very present help. Colossians, that incredible just heaping up of terms of who Jesus is. I love the one, He's the very image of God. When you see Jesus, you see God. Um, So this is Christ the King Sunday, and we get all these beautiful things, and then we get to the passion narrative in Luke. Interesting. In fact, as we are talking about this text, one person observes, why do we end the year by going back to that moment? Hmm. Maybe that tells us something, and perhaps the most important thing about who Jesus is and what His reign is like. Now, pretty soon, I mean, I'm not as into this as some of the people in my household, but pretty soon there's going to be a coronation across the water, across the pond, isn't there? You guys don't even know what I'm talking about? You're not, you're, you're, you're American, man. You're just like, okay. You know, well, let me tell you, there's going to be, Prince Charles is 
I guess he isn't prince anymore, and he's gonna, there's going to be a coronation, and it's going to be a ton of pomp and circumstance. There, it's not till this summer. I can't think of any other reason than it's going to take, it took at least six months just to get ready to have this coronation. That's what we typically think of when we think of a king being coronated or a queen being coronated. But what if we thought about the scene we heard today from the Gospel of Luke as Jesus' coronation? Jesus going to His throne, which is the cross. We're surprised by this, um, and instead of people shouting for joy, you know, I can't imagine, you could just think about the people in England that are going to be lined up, you know, you know, dozens thick along every roadway, and, and just, it's going to be packed, and they're going to be so excited. But Jesus' coronation was surrounded by people saying, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? If He's really the King, let Him come down from the cross and save himself. Jesus' coronation has people deriding him and taunting him and jeering. Maybe that's because this is how Jesus reigns. This is why he needs to reign, and this is what he came to deal with. He did not come to save himself, but to save others and to save us and isn't it ironic that the cries and the jeers to, for Him to come down from the cross and save Himself, that's exactly what He didn't do, not because He couldn't, but because He came for you and I. That's a powerful word about who our King is, and that's the final word, that Jesus came to die for us and be raised from the dead. And according to the Gospel of Luke and the writer of Luke, that this was all not just maybe a good idea, not just maybe one way it could be done, but this was necessary. So when as I hear these incredible terms about who Jesus is, and then we get to the passion narrative and see Jesus on the cross, and to hear that this is necessary... There's no other way, Lord? I'm not that bad, am I? We're not that bad, are we? Isn't there a better way? Isn't there another way? And if there was, then it should have been done, but this is what the Scriptures teach us, that there was, it was necessary that Jesus suffer, that He go to the cross for us. Why? Well, Jesus, let's just look to His own words. What does he say from the cross in Luke? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus from the cross gives you what you already received from Pastor Jonathan, the absolution. Father, forgive them. Yes, they don't know what they do. Maybe they would have done it anyway. They did know what they were doing. They were putting to death a blasphemer. 
but they didn't realize that they were doing what ended up being necessary. Um, but Jesus says, forgive them right from the cross. I find this amazing. In fact, C.S. Lewis helps us with this. Um, get a couple quotes up here from him. Um, C.S. Lewis says, we can all understand how a man forgives offenses against himself. You tread on my toes and I forgive you. You steal my money and I forgive you. But what should we make of a man himself unrobed and unwrote, um, untrodden um, on who announced that the forgiveness that he forgave you for treading on another person's toes and stealing another one's money? Asinine vacuity is the kindest description we could give to, this, to his conduct. And then the next quote. Yet, this is what Jesus did. He told people that their sins were forgiven and never waited to consult all the other people whom their sins had undoubtedly injured. He unhesitatingly behaved as if he was the party chiefly concerned, the person chiefly offended in all offenses. This makes sense only if he really was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is wounded in every sin. Think about that psalm where it says, against you only have I sinned. In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply that I can only regard as silliness and conceit, unrivaled by any other character in history. But no, Jesus is God, and so Jesus can have the audacity and the power to stand before us and say, I forgive you for what you did to other people, what you did to yourself, what you've done to creation. I forgive you. Now, I also know that some wonder if forgiveness is the, the, the burning issue for people today, and I think that's a good question. But I don't know, as I see people working to love each other in a marriage, I don't know, I'm pretty sure there's some forgiveness there needed. How about you? Maybe that person is next to you right now. <laughs> Um, as I think about parents who parent and who have now not just one book on how to be a good parent like some of you did uh, 40, 50 years ago, but now you have thousands <laughs> who wonder, oh, I didn't do it right. You know, there are standards in our culture, and I think we are living in the most legalistic time that there ever has been. You, know, you might say, well, the Puritans are long gone, Pastor Bill. <laughs> but whether it's a more liberal, like social gospel, social justice kind of agenda or a conservative agenda or what libertarian agenda or a, a whatever kind of agenda, we live in a very legalistic culture and you better watch out. You might get canceled. Because in our culture, the only, there is no rectifying, messing up, making a mistake other than to just pull yourself up and do better. Is there forgiveness out there? Maybe, 
I don't see much of it. But here's the good news, that Jesus from the cross and the way He reigns in our lives and in the church is by forgiving our sins. He doesn't cancel you. He cancels your sin. He takes it upon Himself. That's what's happening in the cross. That's how He reigns. And when He was raised from the dead, it confirmed all of what was happening, that He died in accord with the Scriptures for the forgiveness of sins. Paul says in Corinthians that, you know, if He isn't raised, then we're still in our what? Sins. They're still binding to us. They're still canceling us. They're still saying and defining who we are. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to define you. My grace is sufficient. My love is sufficient. And you are who I say you are, a forgiven child of God. His final word, the way he reigns, is so awesome and so amazing. That thief on the cross that Luke tells us about in that conversation the thief says, I'm rightly here, we're rightly here, but Jesus was innocent. He, that's one of the greatest confessions of faith in all of Scripture. Jesus was innocent. He was not a blasphemer because He was God. He is God. And so Jesus turns and says, today you are with me in paradise. Now that word paradise is really interesting. It only occurs three times in the Bible, and we think it goes back to the, the garden, like the Garden of Eden, like the God's paradise, God's the way God's rule wants to be. And, um, and so then maybe is Jesus saying that when He dies, the, priest, the, the thief will be with Him? I think that's what He's saying, but maybe He's saying today, right now, you are in the paradise of God and you say, how could that be? He's on a cross. Why? Because he's with Jesus, and Jesus is with him. And so I want to tell you today, Jesus not only forgives your sins, but he also says this to you, today I am with you. Yes, you will be with me in the paradise of God someday, that paradise that's in the future, but he gives a little garden, a little home away from home right here where he says, I am with you. I'm with you in that hospital room. I'm with you in those tears. I'm with you in your joys. And in fact, I'm going to come and be with you in ordinary bread and wine today so that you can taste and see how good I am. Ah, today you are with the Lord. This is how He reigns. He forgives sins and He shows up and He's right here with us. And He's going to keep doing that through word and sacrament of the church until He comes again when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thanks be to God for this church year that's just given us faith, and we look forward to doing it all over again. Amen.